1: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. Carolina had a game yesterday. That means it is the day after. With the day after podcast from Inside Carolina and Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com and all those guys sponsoring us, I've got Jason Staples and Buck Sanders with me. Uh, Gentlemen, I'll start with Buck as I always do. Uh, I think someone poked the bear perhaps um, in the pregame leading up to this. And Buck, um, we're laughing about it off air. Anytime your box score under punching says no data to report. Leads me to believe that was a pretty good night for a North Carolina offense.
0: Usually it is. I, I want to say I'm right that North Carolina didn't punt last year either, but, uh, there may have been more than one turnover involved. I, I can't recall, but, uh, in any event. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the big takeaway from this game is, uh, the feeling that UNC fans are having this morning and the UNC players and coaches and staff are having is tremendously different than they would be feeling had this game been a loss. Because this game, had it been a loss, would have erased a lot of opportunities or at least made those opportunities a lot more difficult to obtain uh, the rest of this year. And it's put pretty much most of North Carolina's Except for Tommy Ashley's uh, twelve to nothing uh, prediction, they they brought everything back into play with this win over Virginia, and, and that's a big swing. You know, when you talk about must win games, which got talked about this week, uh, that's a big thing when you consider what the uh, the difference is in this particular instance in Game Three of a season, a win or a loss in this particular game is huge for the Tar Heels moving forward. Jason, looking at the box score, Carolina
2: wins by three touchdowns. Uh, Virginia punted three times. There's the difference in the ball game, but I believe I said something to the effect of Carolina could not allow Virginia's quarterback to look like Lamar Jackson or Bryce Perkins, or like Buck said earlier, Tom Brady. And uh, he looked like all of those um, pretty much, at least throwing the football and Carolina still managed to get a 20 point win. Uh, where's the key there? Is it strictly the offense or did the defense as we've talked about in the past, they don't have to be perfect. They just need to be perfect on a couple of possessions when Carolina's offense is rolling.
1: Well, I mean, you got to remember it wasn't just, uh, just three punts. They also forced forced uh, two turnovers uh, and, that's so they got five stops right so that's that's a lot actually and, and against a, a team that has a good quarterback that's a lot you get five stops there are a lot of drives in this game so i mean because carolina scored so fast it was going to be a game where the defense was going to give up some points but what they did is they got five stops uh and actually i think there's a by uh an on downs in there too right so uh you look at this in terms of um, of uh, of the dr- the drive chart and all of that. They did their job for a good portion of the game, and they made Virginia earn it when they did do their stuff. And look, I mean, you tip your 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 hat when a quarterback's on fire. But the 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 biggest thing is that they got stops, they forced turnovers, and the key to all of that was they forced virginia to be extremely one-dimensional look at the rushing yards so they had 553 passing yards but they had 22 attempts for 21 carries on the ground now that includes sack yardage but and that's uh that's one sack for three yards right so they had 21 carries for for uh for 24 yards On the ground. And what they did is they forced Virginia to be one dimensional all game and were able to get pressure when they when they needed to uh, a lot. I mean, he was under pressure, he made a lot of of big time throws under pressure. And then we're able to force some turnovers force a couple a couple of, uh, of stops force those three stop and those four, those three punts. And that's enough in today's football, you you basically, it's not about necessarily yardage. It's not about those other things. And this has been something that Mac's been preaching from the beginning. This is something that we've talked about for a long time since before Mac took over is that today's football, you do not look at the numbers the way that you did in the 1990s, because you've got more, more drives. You've got offenses are, are better. Quarterbacks are better than they were and the, the rules favor the offense. So you have to look at it more as, is the defense getting stops? Are they forcing turnovers, and are they getting the ball back to the offense in ways that actually help your offense? Because you got to score points today.
2: Yep, and, and Carolina puts up a boatload of them against Virginia. But let's stay on the Carolina's defensive side of the ball. Um, to the to Jason's point, just make enough plays, um, get some stops, turnovers. I thought Conley's interception was a great one. But one thing that I noticed early in the ball game is Cedric Gray out there starting and getting run. And that's a guy, I believe, on the pregame show inside Carolina Live from the Bulls lot. One of the questions from our uh, listeners was over-under tackles for said Gray, and I think it was seven, seven and a half. And we all took the under. Well, he almost got there um, in a starting role. I thought that really helped Carolina to get out on the, at a strong start. I mean, offense was explosive from gate, but defensively, I thought Gray did some good things out there.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. And, uh, in fact, I think listening to that pregame show, uh, Gregory Hall kind of nailed it, that it looked like that gray would at least uh, split carries with Asante and with gray being a different kind of linebacker, taller, longer, that sort of thing. And Virginia having some tight end weapons. Uh, it looked like a good bet that, uh, Cedric Gray would get some run in this game. And he did. And, and he had a very nice pass breakup in the end zone uh, against a, a Virginia Tech tight end uh, there to save a touchdown. So, um, yeah, he, he was a, a factor. I think uh, you can look at some of the individual uh, performances, especially by some of the youngsters. I think Miles Murphy, again, looked good. Uh, you know, he he has established himself now as somebody who's going to, Come to play every week, and Cayman Rucker, two of the sacks that North carolina got came at his hands he's definitely somebody that uh I don't know what else they're doing with him at at offense uh, outside linebacker, but when he's in there as part of a pass rush uh package it's uh sea ball hit ball you know um so he's doing a good job um there's a uh, nice to see the return of Storm Duck, even though they gave up 554 yards passing, you know, uh, on his return. And as good as their three cornerbacks were, um, I thought Virginia did a good job of kind of going to the middle of the field some and focusing on the intermediate passing game as opposed to, uh, you know, taking it against the corners, although they did a good bit of that as well. You don't throw for that many yards without, uh, a little bit of versatility there, but there were some, definitely some, uh, UNC guys that stepped up, uh, especially some of the lower classmen and, uh, starting to flash more and more. And I, I'm hoping maybe even against Georgia tech, we're going to see more and more of those, uh, young, uh, defensive studs begin to flash even more as the season goes. Yeah, Jason, looking at the
2: uh, defensive box score, I mean, Bateman himself has talked about it forever. Is getting pressure and and doing things, um, and Mack has fussed or complained all year that they haven't gotten enough pressure. Well, you look at Carolina's defensive stats. You got three sacks. You got six tackles for loss. Um, Like Buck mentioned, Rucker has two two of those. um, Two of those. But I look at also quarterback hurries, and I think that puts some pressure on Armstrong, even though he had a great day and he made some great plays. But Taman Fox with four hurries, uh, seven hurries overall. I, what did you see from Bateman's defense in that regard? Were they doing something different? Was it just guys lining up and playing? Um, or was there some schematic thing that Bateman tried to do against Virginia without looking at any tape? You know, we can't go to the tape on the day after podcast because I have not watched the game again for sure what'd you see
1: it was to me it was just a a, it was nothing special schematically I mean he didn't do a ton of stuff I mean he brought the corner a few times I mean it was it was Jay Bateman's defense it's what he does uh what the difference was was guys balled out and I mean I want to give Cayman Rucker a helmet sticker man because he that guy played a whale of a game uh he he I want to see how many snaps he had, but it had to be something like, uh, 35 snaps or so. And he made, he made himself evident over and over again out there. I mean, they, they dropped him in coverage and he'd be back right where, uh, right. And, you know, they'd throw shallow, shallow crosses or whatever. And who's making the tackle 25. I mean, that guy, um, he, he is a football player and found Unless a way- mistake.
0: mistaken, he actually started the game.
1: Yeah, I, I, that that's that's that was my recollection as well, and and he's earned it. I mean, that guy has he finds ways to to get on the tape every time you watch. When he's on the field, he finds ways into the frame, and that's the kind of guy you want to have on your defense. I mean, he he he's something else, and uh, and so you know, give him a, a helmet sticker. Uh, I also thought uh, JQ Conley played a really good, good football game. I mean, he had a few that he'd, he'd like to have back. There are a couple uh, that, that one of the touchdowns uh, down on the, uh, that was, I think the last touchdown that they scored down, on, down on the, uh, on the goal line on, on a uh, little wide, little flip out to the wide receiver. He just missed the, the tackle there, overran it a little bit. And you could see the frustration after he missed the tackle and he's got to make that tackle, but the interception was a, was a big time play. Uh, they targeted him early in the game. I mean, it was pretty obvious that they had identified him as, as the potential duck in the, uh, in the secondary, uh, where it was like, okay, let's, let's see if we can isolate him and get him in situations where we're going to throw it deep on him and see if he can cover. And I thought he answered the bell, which is a really good sign for Carolina going forward, because I think that's one of the things that teams are, are still going to challenge a little bit is, okay, this guy, you know, how good is he in space? How good is he actually going to be as a deep safety how good is he going to be if we can get him in a situation where he has to be responsible down the field and he handled himself well. Uh, and again, a guy that, that finds his way into the frame over and over and over again, making tackles uh, and Cedric gray playing as much as he did. I actually my, what I noticed is that uh, Asante missed a particular tackle. And I think he missed an assignment either. I think he missed an assignment a little bit on that play. And then, had, had been a little uneven before in the next drive Cedric Gray got a bunch got a th- bunch of drives in a row uh so I, I think uh, he may have Gray may have just won that job uh you know you'll still see Asante play but I wouldn't be surprised if if Gray just essentially won that job in this game because he, he he played really well was physical uh and Asante I think they've been frustrated because Asante has has overrun a lot of tackles and has not and has not made some of the tackles that he should have, and and Gray finished finished the job in a, in a number of places. So, um, yeah, this is. I think there was a lot of major positives in this game that came out of things. Uh, as I was watching, I mean, maybe the biggest positive was watching Virginia's a physical offensive line. They want to be balanced. I mean, that's what all the run stuff that they do all the motion, all the things that they do try to, they're, they're trying to be balanced. They're trying to get it to where they can run on you. And they could not handle Carolina's interior, Carolina. And, and you, you can go back and watch the tape over and over again. You watch what's going on on the interior and Carolina has built a wall. So, you know, the, the basically the, the edges and, and the backers are running straight downhill because Carolina's interior won this football game over and over and over again. And that made Virginia one, one dimensional. And that's why you win the football game.
2: Yeah. One more question on the defensive side, and then we'll flip to the offensive side where there's a ton and also talk about some other things that were going on in that ball game. But, Buck, uh, to Jason's point there, the defensive line, you know, I always would look at the stat sheet last couple of years, and it was always loaded up at the top with the upper class. Or it was always Chaz Surratt, you know, with 12 tackles and nobody else. I look at this one and it's so balanced. But what I also see is it's so balanced with a ton of young guys. And people, you know, there's some folks on our message boards, and rightfully so, we'll look and see 550-some yards passing or whatever. But Jason's point about shutting down the run game that wins the game, I mean – this is what we'll talk about the offense after the break, but this defense, what we saw, the young guys flashing is what we've talked about for months now um, with Mac Brown's recruiting, and here it, here it comes.
0: One thing we haven't touched on so far is that obviously they didn't have very many rushing yards, and so you, you would expect this to be a uh, correlation of that, but their, their longest run of the day was seven yards. And, you know, when you don't get any explosive runs out of your run game, and if you think about it, that's a really demoralizing play. If you, if you have a running back like Chandler did on several different occasions, bust one for, you know, 30, 35 and, and move defensive players around, shove them around. Uh, just uh, it's sort of a manhood robbing uh, play when, when you just brutalize a defense at the second and third levels and just toss guys out of the way and run for, you know, 30 and 40 yards. If, if you can't get a single run over 10 yards, then the interior of the defense, as Jason's talking about, is uh, you know doing their job, and and so are the guys on the outside, because they're not letting those guys get to the edge and and get around and get down field, you know, on the on the defense. So I, I think the the lack of explosive plays in the in the run game is as nearly as remarkable as the low total overall. That's a great point. I mean, when you're looking at the Russian
2: averages Carolina's what eight something in this game, Virginia's one. And again, that defensive front, I remember great Carolina defenses that teams would just run into the wall you mentioned, run into the brick wall over and over and over um, and get nothing. And and more so to me than the than the passing yards given up is the rushing yards or the per carries or per attempt numbers. They're pretty important. Let me take a short break, talk about Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. If you were in the Bowls lot yesterday, um, A, you probably had a great time. B, you also had a chance at some Johnny T-shirt swag. Uh, We always have some gear out there. They're always providing great things for Inside Carolina subscribers and those that join. And if you're in the Bowls lot or in the Bowls lot and enjoyed the show and you're not a premium subscriber, get there. Get it. Get subscribed. I'm sure Jason will have some great breakdowns on the film from this week, you'll be able to see, and you always catch Buck's column, which is up now. The The man is a machine on his column, and he's got another great one today um, after the win at Virginia, or Carolina's win against Virginia in Keenan Stadium. So support Johnny T-shirt. They support us, 10% off if you're a premium subscriber, and also support Blue Shark Vodka, Jimmy's Seafood, all the different places that support Inside Carolina. Let's look after them as well. We'll be right back. It is the day after. That's Buck. That's Jason. I'm Tommy. We'll be right back. Boys, we're back. Day after podcast, Carolina blows Virginia out. Jason, I'll start with you on this end. One thing, a uh, couple things that really stick out to me in this game: two events. Um, one, the Virginia guy talking smack before the game. I mean, I don't understand why you ever do that. And we said if you need talk to be motivated, that's not really a good thing. I think I think they hurt him, but two. Mac talked about how Virginia's comeback there at the end of the first half was probably the best thing to happen for this team because a, it showed some mental toughness that maybe they've lacked and maybe will and that sort of thing carries over more than anything, I think for this team the rest of the year. Your thoughts on those and others as we dig into the offensive side?
1: Well, yeah, I mean I think you're, it still sticks that if you if you need talk, you, you're you're not motivated enough, and and I don't think this team needed that at all. Uh, the 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 question in this game was going to be whether or not the offense was going to be able to execute at the level that they that they needed to, and and you know going back to the uh, to the game plan podcast, that's that's why Greg Barnes and I were both skeptical coming into this game. Is you're gonna ha- the offense was going to have to show me that they were going to be able to execute with all the new faces and that they, you know, we talked in that podcast about how they didn't have an identity yet and they needed to ha- they needed to develop an identity. They needed to be, uh, they needed to be able to, to make good decisions at the quarterback position, protect and, you know, get enough running lanes to get the backs to the next level. They needed their outside wide receivers to win some matchups They needed the running backs to finally, you know, do some things once they got a yard or two past the line of scrimmage and all of that stuff needed to happen at once. Like, what are the odds of that? Of fixing all those things at once? Apparently pretty good (laughs) because they came out and handled their business at each of those spots, despite the offensive line not being as healthy, despite you know, the, the the outside wide receivers basically still be in the same group. And despite some of the things that they'd had trouble with in the RPO game, they were able to basically simplify on some of that stuff. I do think they did some stuff schematically to help help themselves out offensively that, that really made a difference in this game. And honestly, I'm not sure what Virginia's game plan was on defense. Uh, I, th- I think Virginia helped them as well. I, I was I was surprised by what I saw from Virginia defensively it was like are they trying to get themselves shelled like th- this doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me in terms of how they're they're going about this but I thought Virginia helped them a little bit on uh, schematically and then they had the right answers to everything Virginia presented them and helped themselves out significantly in the um in the uh in in the schem- in the schematic part of, of things offensively but then those guys just executed they, they actually you know they ran and caught that you know they how looked to be in 2020 2019 late 2019 form i mean he had not looked as comfortable the first couple of games in this game he looked like the sam Howell we expected to see this year and it helped that when he was putting the ball out there those guys actually caught it and did something with it i mean Josh Downs, the Josh Downs that we saw out there is the Josh Downs we've expected. And he had, he's he been the one guy that's been the guy we expected from the beginning. But then you look at the running game and that's really, I mean, this game boils down to me, to Virginia having, <laughs> wow. Virginia having that 24 total rushing yards, 20, 21 total rushing yards, 24 not including sack yards and Carolina having 392 rushing yards. And then, you know, you pull out 25 sack yards out of that. So, yeah, that's – there's your difference in the game, and it's because they found ways to consistently run the football. I mean, you look at Ty Chandler, 9.9 yards per carry. Caleb Hood, 7.3 yards per carry. Sam Howell, 7.5 yards per carry. Okay, well, you do that, you're not going to lose a lot of football games.
2: But is it safe to say that what we saw on the field last night is the reason behind all the preseason hype and all the, the expectations of this season? I mean, that product last night is why Carolina was in the top ten, is why Carolina fans were talking about playoffs and all that stuff, but didn't happen early. It certainly happened now, but that's it right there, right? That's what we expected.
0: With one twist, I think. Um, you know, we expected to see a lot of what we saw. We, we heard great things about Ty Chandler, you know, in off-season camp and, you know, during the spring. And heard great things about Caleb Hood, you know, and their potential contributions. We really had the opportunity to see what Josh Downs could do in the Texas A&M game last year. And, and we knew that would carry over you, being able to get that open, um, on, on essentially just your ability to move. He just has quicks and a different gear, um, when he's running routes that allows him to be spectacular, uh, at that slot position. And as Jason said, obviously they, they still need some outside receivers to step up and seize more of a, a part of the offense. But the thing we we've saw in the last two weeks that we weren't expecting, uh, at least I wasn't expecting and Maybe other people were, but, um, Sam, Howell running the ball, Sam, Howell has changed the game for UNC this year, the last two weeks, uh, Jason talks about it all the time that when your quarterback all of a sudden becomes a threat in the run game, that changes the numbers for everything. Um, uh, the defense just doesn't have the same numbers cause they've got to worry about, uh, not just one running back in the, in the backfield, they've got to worry about two and they could be headed in the opposite directions. One could be headed east, the other one could be headed West and they've got to have the numbers there and, the uh, gap control to account for all that. And Sam hasn't been, you know, he, Lamar Jackson running the ball. I mean, you know, uh, but. To get over a hundred yards, what did he end up with? 115, something like that, uh, rushing yards. You 112, get twelve. You, you get 112 yards out of your quarterback. Um, you know, that that really puts the defense in a bind. Cause they gotta always worry about where he's going, what he's gonna do. Some of those were um design runs, but a good many were also Sam just escaping and making a play when nothing was there. And, and that also breaks the defense's heart. They've got the, you know, the play drawn up. They've got it blocked out. It's all good. And then the, the quarterback squirts away and be, and gets down and gets the first down. And you you got to go back and do it all over again. So I, I think the one thing we did not expect to see, or at least I did not, um, I knew that Sam could run the ball. Some, he did it against temple in, in the bowl game in 2019. But after that, he, he, it was not something that he really, uh, hung his hat on in 2020, but the last two weeks, he he's made life very difficult for defenses, just being able to turn a little something into nothing, not get behind the chains, um, and, and do all of those good things for the offense. Jason, do you think his running this year is more
2: based, and I don't know exactly how to ask the question, but more based on Phil Longo needing him to do that, or do you think it's more based on him just them actually needing to use it? The same, same thing. Sam needs to run this year. Um, he did not need to run last year why is the answer is the question you're looking for right is is the, is his rushing this season based on need in your opinion or just based on the fact that he has that ability and they wanted to show it
1: well i, I think it's based on that they need to do it they, they, they've judged that they have to do that in order to have the kind of success offensively that they want to especially in the run game and again, it gets back to what Buck was just talking about—that you're you're changing the the blocks, you're changing angles a little bit when you're when you add the quarterback as a runner. You you gain a gap. You you have to account for an extra player. You're plus one as quarter as coaches like to say. Uh, and they want to be they they want to be able to run the ball. And they have to be able to run the ball. And the way that they're running the ball right now is that they have to be plus one. And you know it's pretty simple on that. So. I actually would would have liked to have seen them run Sam a little less late in the game. I mean, there are a few, few plays there where he had lots of guys taking shots at him where it's like, mm, I just do not like this at all. <laughs> like guys just start handing it off. But yeah, through the first part of the game in particular, I mean, I think it was really, uh, it was imperative that he be able to, to run and change some things because they they're keying so much on the, on the backs that, he was out there alone. I mean, one of the reasons he was able to average as many yards per per carry as he did is he was getting to the edge. And in many cases, he was getting to the edge and they didn't have a guy out there responsible for him. You got a safety coming from the, uh, from the secondary. That's basically trying to make the tackle on him. And he's already three, four yards upfield before that guy gets close to arrive. And if he's able to make him miss it all, then you got an eight, 10, 12 yard play. Well, yeah, you'll take that as an offensive coordinator. So, they're having to do it because you have to be balanced as an offense. If you're going to have success, you have to be balanced. You hear this from every, every coach at every level. You have to be balanced. You have to, you can't just throw the ball as Virginia showed, right? I mean, they did score 39, but they had enough stops to prevent, uh, to keep them from winning the game. If you can only do one thing, unless that thing is basically just run at will, I mean, if you're if you're able to just run through, you know, hand the ball off and it's a gap, b gap, then you don't have to show balance because you're just dominating in the one thing. But you have to be able to do something else when teams start taking away what your strength is. And if that, you know, last year the reason that they didn't have to worry as much about running running Howell is they were really good running the football with the backs to the point where okay, you can add an extra guy to run defense, and we're still probably going to be able to hand it off to one of those guys and get yardage. Secondly, if you do add that plus one, we're going to eat you alive downfield. Deami Brown, when you bring that plus one, that extra safety into the box, you're you're single covering our guys, and one of those guys is going to win deep, and that's that. And so you're already effectively plus one because of the balance with the downfield passing game. This year that's not been as much of a guarantee. Right. So, you know, you're not if you're not winning those one-on-ones, then they can add the plus one to the box. And now now to, the only way to get the plus one is to be balanced in the running game. So you can be balanced in run versus pass, but you can also be balanced in how you run it with some option stuff and adding the quarterback to it. So essentially what howell running does is he adds balance back to the offensive side of the ball. And then, interestingly, as he ran it a little bit more and they had to focus a little bit more attention onto that, he then that opens up some things in the passing game. Though I don't want to pretend that him running is actually what opened up the passing game in this one entirely because I look at, the, at how the game started, and what was it? Three of, his first, uh, three of his first five throws went for long touchdowns. Yeah. Right? You know, first, first throw, 11 yards to Antoine Green. It's the only catch Green had. It's sort of odd to me the usage of, of Green at this point where, you know, he's he's he plays most of the first half and then just sort of seems to not play as much as the game goes on. So if he's getting his catches it's early. But uh, you got, you know, first first down, 11 yards to uh, to Antoine Green to start the game and then 59 yards to Josh Downs. Then the next uh, so then there's an incompletion. Then fifty nine yards to Josh Downs, then thirty seven yards to Josh Downs, and then seventy five yards to Choffery Brown. Those were the next three throws. So they had balance in the passing game even before that, but they wanted to be as balanced as they could in this game, knowing that they were going to be in for a bit of a track meet. And that's why you're that's why you end up doing that,
2: Buck. If we're going to talk about nearly four hundred yards rushing, we got to talk about the offensive line. We have hammered them here; they have been hammered unmercifully. Um, in the first two weeks, two and a half, uh, ever since Virginia Tech game. Uh, ben Sherman has posted the snap counts. It's up on Inside Carolina on the premium board. McKeithen and Richard, 70 snaps each, and then it just sort of breaks down. Johnson, 51. William Barnes with 40. I'd wager he hadn't had that many in a game in his Carolina career. Um, heard Tucker and Azudu and Brian Anderson might not play. They got – Uh, snaps as well but this unit I think this unit was probably challenged pretty heavily um, all week if not before that I thought they stepped up I mean I didn't see we've talked about Sam Howell having all day to throw at times I didn't see I saw an offensive line that played last year but with different guys doing it for the most part you have 400 yards rushing we got to give them props but what do you say
0: well, it's interesting uh, it, when the uh, North Carolina offense does lay an egg and it's happened, uh, happened at Virginia tech. Um, the very first thing you lead with when you discuss offense is the offensive line sucks. Uh, you, you go there immediately um, when they're, when they're doing their job, you talk about them third or fourth uh, down the, down the line. And, you know, not only did uh, Barnes and uh, Z do and, uh, Montillus and Johnson and all those guys play. Um, they subbed them in and out. You know, they, it wasn't like, you know, they uh, didn't they put Barnes in. And when uh, Tucker was hurt, they started Barnes. And then later on, they pull, let Barnes out, pulled him in, put him back in. They rotated in a way some of the offensive line. Um, And, you know, we've, we've heard uh, all during off season that they felt like they had at least eight, maybe nine guys, maybe 10 guys they could trust. And um, through those first two games, everybody under the sun has called us uh, a bunch of uh, liars because they didn't see it on the field, you know, Uh, and we, we were just reporting what we were being what we were hearing both, you know, uh, front facing in front of the media and also behind the scenes that there were several offensive linemen that were playing well in this game. We actually saw it now. I don't think, uh, Virginia as a defensive line or as a front seven is necessarily the defense. You want to gauge how good your offensive line is, um, you know, that, that kind of test will come maybe further down the line against Miami or somebody like that. But, um, at the same time against a average or, you know, middle of the road defense, front seven defense, this offense can do its job. And hopefully the the job that they did against Virginia, um, last night is something they can build on, you know? The one thing that everybody tells you, and this goes almost double for offensive linemen, the one thing you cannot replace is snaps. You've got to have snaps in order to, you know, get experience and be, you know, grow and develop. It's not enough for you just to pump iron and eat right and, you know, look good on the practice field. You've got to get in and get some, uh, Snaps under live bullets and said, so they got a little of that last night. Hopefully they can build on that. Uh, so that they run against a front seven. That's a little bit better than what Virginia's is. Um, they can, uh, improve, uh, from where they were before this game, but yeah, I think everybody should take their hats off to the, to the offensive line. They did what they needed to do in this game and you can't ask for any more than that. Jason, I'll let
2: you chime in there because you were nodding in agreement feverishly when Buck was talking about the level of Virginia's um, players there at those positions. But uh, I hear you on the Georgia State side. They got pushed around on Georgia State. Virginia's P5 school with scholarships and all that. But if Carolina had run for 200, I'd say, yeah, maybe. But they ran for 400. I think the offensive line deserves – a lot of folks to get off their backs, us included, me included, um, given what they did. But let me ask you a specific question about the rotation Buck mentioned. Talked about eight to ten guys could play. Well, last night they played eight. And Brian Anderson was the low on the totem pole with 19 snaps. What do you think you saw, uh, without going back and looking at any film from this unit and who stood out? I thought Barnes. I think Mac mentioned him in the postgame presser. I thought Barnes – um, maybe started to live up to a little bit of the hype he's had since he's been at Carolina.
1: Yeah, I felt like I felt like Barnes actually came in and was pretty much for the most part indistinguishable from what what we've seen from that position the last couple of years. I mean that that's a very, very good good sign, a good positive uh that he, he basically stepped in and I didn't think there was a, an appreciable drop off at that right tackle spot. So that's good. Um, though that right tackle spot has not been quite as good as it should be at, at different points. He was, he was not a drop-off and showed some potential to be better. Uh, so that's, that's, I'm, I'm pleased about that. I do think, and Buck said this, maybe Virginia is not the, the team that you want to measure against in this regard. And I think it's not just a matter of talent the thing to me is that Virginia, this was what I was kind of alluding to early in the game or earlier in the podcast is that Virginia's game plan for what they did up front, I thought was odd. It was strange because they came in and there were a number of times where they decided that they were going to play a three-man front with two backers and no one else in the box. So basically we're on five-man fronts against Carolina where if Carolina does run anything where you've got a running quarterback option, you've got five blockers plus the running back plus the quarterback. You got seven in there. And you're going with a five man box. I mean, I can see a six, maybe, if you're going to add that safety as the as the support, but there were a number of times where they went five man box. Now, this is where to Carolina's credit the offensive line went hat on hat and then you've got a guy going into the secondary where which is exactly what you should get if you get a five man box but that's just not <laughs> it's not what I would have done against this carolina defense what I would want to, or against this carolina offense it's what I would want to do if I were if I were scheming against or game planning against this carolina offense right now is I would want to actually load it's paradoxical I would load the box and focus my coverage attention on Josh Downs and I'm going to force the outside receivers to beat me, but I'm going to I'm going to put an extra guy in the box, and I'm going to say if you if you can beat my corners over and over and over again downfield, then I'll tip my cat. But I'm not going to get I'm not going to let you be be two dimensional, because I know Howell can throw that that downfield stuff really well. I'm not going to let you be two dimensional. I'm going to shut down the running game. I'm going to focus on pressuring the quarterback as much as possible, and I'm going to press press the heck out of your offense. That's what I'm going to try to do. And they did the opposite of that, which I thought was, like I said, that was strange to me.
0: Let me jump in here and ask Jason a a question while he's on a roll at this point talking about this. But one of the things that surprised me is, and we talked about this last week, you guys talked about it on the game plan and so on and so forth. Um, You know, Virginia tech beat North Carolina by at least in part by, uh, hiding the football from them, trying to, you know, use, uh, a slow tempo, um, you know, milk the clock kind of approach and and keep the ball out of North Carolina's hands. And we're very effective doing it. Virginia went exact opposite. They played probably a faster tempo than, than they're used to playing, um, and, you know, at some point it got so bad that I think uh, Bateman and uh, Mac Brown had to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with the uh, referees about substituting. You know, if, if you're going to let them substitute, you're going to let us substitute too. And going that fast, you know, you got to give us a chance to get our guys in the game because um, they got called for you know, 12 men on the field there that one time. in, in any event, Uh, they, they, they went way too fast. And, and the one thing that Jason mentioned last week, uh, that, you know, I I put a kind of put in my back pocket is with everything that Virginia does, you know, using two and three different quarterbacks to run the ball and, uh, you know, two tight ends and those moves and switching and, and all of that and going fast while they're doing it, um, and you don't really have as much time to rep that stuff as say Phil Longo, who is going to have five plays and you're going to rep them 50 times each, you know, uh, headed into a game. I didn't think that was the best strategy for playing North Carolina. Um, you know, with, uh, going just as fast as humanly possible for Virginia didn't seem like the right approach to me, uh, because, That's not what worked for Virginia Tech, and I'm not sure anybody else has really used that against Phil Longo uh, with any success. If if you're going to give Longo 70, 75 snaps, I don't know how many they ended up with, but they must have ended up with a ton uh, with that many yards, although they only had 14, I think, completions in the past game, 300 and some yards, but only 14 completions. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really sure what Bronco was attempting to accomplish there. And I'll, every time I see a game coached by, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, I use give him props for being solid, you know, well-conceived game plan and approach, but I, I'm not sure that was there, uh, last night against, uh, North Carolina. So I, I wanted to get Jason's opinion about that.
1: No, I, I, I agree. I mean, that was the thing I, I, I... When I went to bed last night, that was what I was thinking about. I was like, man, they – you know, Mac and his staff just outcoached Bronco and his staff in this game. I just didn't see the coherence to what Virginia was trying to do on both sides of the ball in terms of how they went after Carolina. I just didn't see it as making a lot of sense to me in terms of their strengths and then Carolina's strengths. Now, by the way, Carolina only had 68 plays in this game. But you only need 68 plays to score 59 points when you're averaging 10.3 yards per play. (laughs) To me, it wasn't so much about the track meet aspect of it as just what they did defensively in taking that. uh, We're going to, we're going to, give you we're going to essentially gift you the running game and hopefully you're not able to, to to both run and pass on us to me that that just seemed seems strange uh i think one of the reasons that they went all out speed and they went for so many drives is because they fell behind 14 points right away and you know they they basically decided that they were going to turn this into a that, that their best shot of beating carolina was to score as many points as they could you know, regardless of what happened on the defensive side, I think they I think they came into this game expecting that Carolina would score points and that they would just have to do whatever possible to turn it into a track meet. And this gets to what I, I suspect may have underlied what they were doing. And that's that. My impression, based on what I saw, of their game plan, their game plan was a plan of a team that doesn't believe it has good corners that believes that its corners can't hold up on the outside. That, that was the thing that, as I was, as I was watching it, and as I've been trying to think through, like why in the world would you come out and play that setup against Carolina with, the, with where Carolina has struggled specifically this year? Why would you do that? Because that seems like the, the most likely thing to, to basically help them find themselves to give them those five-man boxes or six-man boxes against a a tight end set, those sorts of things. Why would you do that? And then I remember what it looked like when they had a cornerback running down the sidelines on, on uh, on an interception in the end zone. And then I think, you know, maybe that's why. Because Sam Howell actually managed to run stride for stride with that guy. Howell threw that pick, and yeah, he had a bit of an angle, but he also was getting blocked a little bit at the end, and that guy didn't run away from it. And you go, okay, maybe that's why they decided to uh, to do what they could and, and keeping keep the safety over top and playing more conservatively there because maybe their corners just can't run. And, you know, you saw what happened with Chauffrey Brown when he got, he got free at all. I mean, it was a laugher. There was nobody in the secondary that was even within – eight, 10 yards of him. So, and he and caught granted, that
0: ball in the middle of the field where there were like 10 guys in front yeah, of him.
1: Yeah. You know, so, and he I mean, ran past the ball. Granted, he's one of the fastest players in the ACC. So you, you expect him to run away from guys. But I mean, it was one of those like, whoa, okay, those guys can't run. So I think there, there was a bit of Virginia recognizing that they got guys that can't run in their secondary and trying to protect that. And they and trying to find ways smoke and mirrors wise to hide that, but you know that was pretty evident from about the third snap of the game when they ran a little RPO and tossed it out to Josh Downs, and fifty nine yards later, it, I mean it looked like a Tech Mobile play where you where you called the wrong play defensively, and you're like, wait, how did they? How is there nobody there to 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 at least turn this into a fifteen or twenty yard gain? I mean, he just ran and hid. There was just nobody there. It looked like he was playing in a different speed than anybody else. And actually there were things, there were times in this game where Josh Downs, I mean, he's smaller, uh, than, than, uh, than this guy, but he, the way his acceleration, his zero to zero to 60 acceleration reminded me of Percy Harvin and just the way he runs kind of a little bit of forward lean and just sort of looks like a guy that's just, you know, uh, stepping on the accelerator and when he steps on the accelerator all of a sudden he's in fat he's in fast forward and everybody else on the screen is in regular speed there were times where just his his the the style that he ran with reminded me of percy harvin and the speed difference that he showed compared to him and everybody else out there at least on the defensive side looked like you know old percy harvin stuff going back to the florida days so you know, if he can do that against other teams, well, you know, that makes things real easy for you as a coordinator. But I think it, I think there was some lack of athleticism in Virginia's secondary that got exposed here. And that's probably based on what they did schematically, what they were trying to avoid is getting their guys into a position where they could, where their lack of athleticism in the back, in the back four, back five would, would get exposed. And I think Carolina identified that and went after it immediately and then realized that it was probably even more severe than they, than they anticipated coming into the game and went, well, okay, well, we can just, you know, there's not just one duck. There's about four of them here that we can, you know, these are clay pigeons that we can shoot at. Uh, so I should probably use pigeon instead of duck. So it's like not a but,
2: storm duck.
1: Yeah. They're not a storm duck. Exactly. <laughs> given, given that Carolina's best cover guy, when he's healthy is probably the duck. Uh, in their secondary um so i guess you know for carolina it's you know you're identifying the pigeon uh that you're that you're shooting at and they found that basically they could kind of they didn't have to do that identifying because they were all they were all inferior coverage guys so i think that's what this boils down to
2: yeah i thought you know some of it was um I thought Bronco said we're going to do what we do and we're going to beat you doing what we do and they realized early like you talked about great tech mobile reference. I mean there's going to be a lot of people on this message board or uh, listening to this that have only seen that game on YouTube videos or whatever. We used to play that all the time. Josh Downsley like Bo Jackson and Tech Bowl, running away Bo from everybody. Jackson. Uh, we talked about I wanted to get into Josh. I mean We've covered him already. The catch in the end zone was ridiculous. I mean, that guy, I said, what, 1250? I'm going to hype this up. 1250 over under, I might push it. I think I'm going to push it out to 1500. I mean, they, he nobody can guard him. It is. And, and what he talked about in the postgame presser is Longo and the guys did things to isolate him on safeties. That's not fair. Hey, Carolina's got a guy that is simply not fair. Um, and Josh Downs there, Buck. I'll let you close the show. We've we've been going about an hour ish or so. Carolina gets a huge win, a must win. Um, goes down to Georgia Tech. I'm not quite sure what happened with Clemson and Georgia Tech. I saw the score and I heard what happened. Um, some weird college football games um, in the last, past couple of weeks, especially yesterday.
1: Clemson's but- offense. Clemson's offense is not what they've been. They don't have a, a an explosive back. That's a true back and they don't have a quarterback who can run and that's there so much of their offense the past 15 years has been predicated on having a quarterback that's a legit run threat and now they've got a quarterback who can throw it through a brick wall but he's also got concrete he's got cinder blocks for feet so you know they're having to figure out how they're having to figure out how to how to have a more diverse offense when they when they basically recruited guys that don't actually fit what they like to do on offense, which is they've, they've kind of recruited themselves into a, into an interesting situation where they've got talent, but it's not a fit for what they do. And they're they're It's going to be real interesting to watch Clemson this year as they try to figure out how to, how to handle that. Cause Georgia tech Collins and, and, and that staff, they do a great job defensively, even though they've not had talent and they're starting to get a little more talent there. And Clemson's more vulnerable than they've been just because of the disconnect between scheme and talent. That's yep. what happened.
2: Yeah, the question is, can anybody in the ACC step up and make that happen? We'll see. But close the show, Carolina gets the big win. Georgia Tech coming up. Is this team back on track, or is uh, it still very much um, up in the air? We talked about after three games, we'll know what this team is. I may hedge on that a little bit, because I'm not sure it was what we saw last night completely. Um, and it's definitely not what we saw in Blacksburg two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think that's a valid point, Tommy, that you, you kind of got two outlier games really. Um one where they lost to a uh Virginia Tech team where they had they were a touchdown uh favorite in that game. And they won by twenty points against a team where they were a touchdown favorite at home. And so there there's kind of an outlier both ways. Um I, I do think that um this team has to guard against the syndrome of, wow, we just played a great game. I, I expect them to move up maybe five spots in the AP 25 because they have one of the better games of anybody in the top 25 uh, over the weekend a- and going to do, go down to Atlanta thinking that, yeah, we're really good. You know, we're going to be you know, going to take care of this Georgia Tech team. No problem. Uh, they, they've got to really work hard Mac has to work hard his staff has to work hard to make sure they don't have you know that kind of um, what the heck game uh, you know at, at a venue like uh, Atlanta or you know it uh, when Florida State comes to town or uh, you know those those games so they, they've got to guard against that game I think uh. Greg Barnes has been preaching all this past week that the games they've got coming up, they shouldn't lose any of them until they get to the Miami game. Uh, it'd be their first big contest, uh, coming up after, uh, the Virginia game. Well, they've got the Virginia game under their belt. Uh, there's a chance they can go into the Miami game. What would they be five and one then? Um, and you know, Miami, uh, they didn't have a greatest outing. Uh, yesterday, um, Pittsburgh also went down, although I think that's a pretty decent Western Michigan team. Um, but you know, a lot of the coastal took a step back yesterday, except for North Carolina. So I think they've still got a chance and probably are the favorite. If anybody wanted to, you know, get asked, uh, like today or tomorrow, who's the favorite in the coastal. I'd say 90% of people would say North Carolina at this point. So that's where they want to be. Regardless of how they get there at the end of the regular season, they want to be the coastal division champs and have a shot at a Clemson team that isn't playing with the same deck of cards they normally are playing with. So, um, that that's where they've got to keep, stay on track there, uh, to get to where they want to be. Indeed. College football
2: seasons are long. Carolina stuttered, um, but seems to have got some footing. And Miami looked like Miami of old yesterday, and that ain't a good thing. It looked like jogging after guys, running for touchdowns, and those type situations. I
0: I don't understand how you could have that many athletes and not be able to tackle at all. And, And jog. I saw
2: one play. The Michigan State guy was just like, he was jogging. And the Miami guys were jogging. And the Miami guys were hitting other people. Not the guy he was supposed to hit. It was bizarre. My, we t- might
1: be seeing late season Miami by you know game four. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 that's the the problem when, when you open with Alabama, folks. That's yeah. what I've said. Yeah.
2: They have wrecked more seasons opening in season openers and wrecked complete seasons they wrecked any-
1: programs. I mean, mm-hmm. let's look at let's look at Florida State now in terms of what happened to that program after they played <laughs> Alabama they outplayed Alabama for a half and then lost their quarterback in the second half. And that program has not been the same since, since losing to Alabama that year. they, they went seven and six that year after being in the top four prior years. I mean, you can remember they came into that year, what ranked third or something like that.
0: We used and, to joke about that so much with Florida state and Miami every year, every year, Miami would be, you know, their hair's on fire. They're killing everybody. And then, they play Florida State, and then Florida State beats them, like, 50-3. to three, And Miami's no more good the rest of the year. You know, that's just how – the same script every year never deviated. Miami looked great till they played Florida State, and then it would be over for them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know
1: – But now it's – I mean, Alabama has – like I said, they've wrecked full programs. I mean, you think about since that game, Florida State, I think is something like – uh I Terrible. think they may be a half game better than, than wake. Forest. I, I don't think
0: I'm, I'm prepared to put well, Florida state's demise as we know it all in that bucket though.
1: No, but basically. it's, but it sure is a convenient narrative <laughs> in terms of talking about where Miami's good, where Miami's headed. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is a, it is a, it is back fun again, boys. Uh, these are always so much more fun when Tar Heels win a ball game. So I expect we'll be discussing this very thing a week from now. It's been the day after podcast buck sanders always jason staples always i'm the host tommy ashley johnny t-shirt blue Mm. shark all that stuff uh join us again we're gonna have a fun on the beat live tuesday night at nine o'clock streaming on youtube if you're listening to this you need to be watching that that should be a fun one but jason and buck i appreciate it on a sunday morning we out later guys you deserve
1: the truth the enemy is at our gates